Triple M. Rush Hour. Hey guys, your favourite podcast is just seconds away, but what if you could listen to it without worrying about using data? Got an offer for you right now. Uh, if you go to ilovedata.com.au, you're going to get 50 gigs of data for only $59.95 a month. There's no contracts, there's no catches. It's ilovedata.com.au. Open that up on your browser now and let's get into the podcast. Tonight we're doing it live from Bulldogs HQ as Des Hasler's future is decided on what's already been an eventful day. The Bathurst 1000 winners officially crowned, but what a mess to get there. Sturlow is here as three players are picked to make their Kangaroos debuts and the final details from the Philip Hughes inquest. Welcome to the Rush Hour. Yes, a bit of a show with a difference. I'm here at ANZ Stadium where the Bulldogs are holding this board meeting and Sturlow is in Gosford. Hello to you, Sturlow. Good afternoon, Dan. Has anybody told you that the uh, the season's over, mate? The, the footy's finished? <laughs> well, we just the problem is they called this board meeting at four o'clock and promised that they'd speak to the media. So we thought, okay, if this is going to happen in the middle of the show, we better be here. Uh, now, this is what has happened today. So I'm sure by now you all know that uh, there's a meeting, a board meeting, to determine the fate of Des Hasler. Now, this is what happened. Four o'clock is when the meeting was set down for. He turned up at around 2.30, quarter to uh, three, so nice and early. Uh, he may have had a private meeting with one of the board members, perhaps Ray Dib, the chairman. Um, he then exited. So the board meeting starts at four. He leaves the building at 4.20, scoots off in his car. So that's the end of Des for the day. Around the same time, Steve Mortimer left. A board member who, of course, yesterday was quoted in the paper essentially saying, well, if, if Des stays, I go. And we're told, and there's been no official announcement, but what we're told is he would... That's not the reason Steve is gone, is that Des is necessarily safe, even though we think he is. It's because he broke board p- protocol. So he's basically fallen on his sword, and we are now waiting for confirmation, but we believe that Des Hasler has survived and will coach the Bulldogs next year. So we should have confirmation shortly because the board meeting really was only for... This was the only thing on the agenda. So it shouldn't take all that long. He left at uh, just after 4.20. It is That's Sydney time. It's now just after 6 o'clock. So um, they've had a bit, fair bit of time to talk. Uh, so we wait and, and hear the outcome. But it seems like Sturlow, Des stays, and one of the board members, Steve Mortimer, goes. Dan, I've been away for a week. I don't get any of this. I don't understand how Des Hasler's position is is under threat. The only complaints I've ever heard concerning Des in his role at Canterbury, and it may be way off the mark, is the amount of money that he spends in getting the team prepared. Uh, apparently, they spend a, a lot in relation to you know the people that he has in in preparing in in all areas of preparation. And the one thing that Des Hasler boasts over many years now is he, he generally goes through less players in a course of a season than anybody else. He's found the secret to getting his players on the paddock every week. That's cost a lot of money. That's the only criticism I've ever heard. There is obviously some criticism now, the fact that they've been in the finals for a number of years, been to two grand finals and haven't won the big one. But boy, you know, there are 15 other coaches who uh, who don't win each season and, um, you know, Des at least puts his team in a position to be successful. I think that they need a change to their playing style, but that comes down to expertise, not what we're talking about here. Um, it's it's all been a little bit strange to me as to just what has unfolded, how he's under threat, why, why Turvey's had his nose out of joint so much. And as you're telling us now, has ultimately walked out of his position as a, a, one of the directors at the club. It's, it's. I, I don't quite get where it's all stemmed from. Do you think they're looking ahead here and looking at 2017, where Des is contracted to, to the tune of one million dollars plus, 
and looking at that squad, which has not been greatly improved, if at all, for next year, do you think they have considered, well, geez, if we limped into the finals this year and went out pretty meekly, why are things going to be any different next year? Well, you know, obviously if Des goes, there's a big payout involved there. Um, I keep hearing the word culture. You know, I know that Terry Lamb actually on, on the Fox show when I had him on, he said that he thought that um, that, that that was a problem and a, a lack of understanding of the Bulldogs' culture. And I, I believe Steve Mortimer has sort of reiterated that belief as well. I, I, again, that's an area that I don't get. Culture is a very loose term. A good culture varies very little between clubs. It comes down to mutual respect, good preparation. Uh, people getting on and working towards a common goal and doing that in, in a good fashion. You know, the family club and all of these kind of things, uh, they're, they're just trimmings. You know, the, the, the culture of a club is about the work being done and how harmonious it is and how prepared people within the organisation are to work with each other towards that common goal. I can't see Canterbury having a bad culture over there. Um, I don't think you need to have an ex-player to maintain some kind of culture. You know, Parramatta had a lot of that for many years in a row. I, I actually thought we needed to change that after after Michael Cronin because we'd you know we'd, we'd had a number of people who'd been involved with Parramatta for a number of years. Sometimes I think that that's, that's a good thing. So there are many areas in this that I, I don't I, I struggle to get my head around because they're not doing that badly. The Bulldogs, in no, comparison. No, but they do set high standards because teams to make the finals, what, five years in a row, including two grand finals, they'd kill for that. But uh, for Canterbury, they see it as they haven't seriously contended, even though they snuck a grand final in a couple of years ago. They haven't been a trendsetter in the competition. Anyway, we are here for the next 50 minutes. We believe we'll get some official information soon, uh, but we've got some other things to talk about, so let's take a song. The Australian team has been picked with uh, three players to make their debut. Get Sturlow's thoughts on that. And uh, Bathurst finally decided, but my goodness, if you think the rugby league judiciary system's a mess, wait till we explain what happened with the V8s. This is the Rush Hour. Triple M. The Triple M. Rush Hour. Triple M. This is the Rush Hour. We're doing it live from ANZ Stadium. Well, at least I'm here, and Sturlow is uh, in his studio as we wait for the official word on Des Hasler. And the other thing that we need to explore a little later... Um, once we get official word is uh, whether that two-year offer is back on the table. And and that's another part of this where apparently there was some sort of um, uh, motion put on the... uh, or caveat put on the uh, original contract that he had to make top four, which obviously Des did not like. But anyway, we'll get to that a bit later, Sturlow. The Australian team has been named to take on New Zealand tomorrow in a test match that does not count towards the Four Nations. It's essentially a one-off. Um... I'll go through their team. You tell me what you think about it. Darius Boyd, Blake Ferguson, Josh, uh, Greg Inglis and Josh Dugan, centres. Valentine Holmes to make his debut on the wing. Thurston and Cronk the halves. Matt Scott, Cam Smith and Shannon Boyd uh, in the front row. Obviously Boyd on debut. Cordner, Gillett, Merrin the back row. And a bench, Dave Clemmer, Michael Morgan, Sam Thiday. And the third man to make his debut, Tyson Frizzell. So that's the Australian team. Plenty of changes from the last time they played Sturlow. So what do you make of it? Yeah, I like the side, Dan. I don't know if they, they should be pronounced favourites going into this game, which is what I, I believe they've, they've been installed as. Uh, six changes that I can work out from the side that played in Newcastle uh, in the Anzac Test against New Zealand. One sixteen nil, but that was against a very, very different New Zealand side that they'll be facing tomorrow night. Obviously, no Radradra. 
Uh, both Gallon and Parker basically not considered. Papali's out with injury. And Maguire and Tamo are both missing. So um, plenty of new faces in there. I can understand why why Tyson Frizzell is in the 17. He's had a, an outstanding season. Valentine Holmes comes in, um, plays some great footy. Uh, at one stage looked like he might have been representing the Kiwis, but he's in the green and gold. The bolter, obviously, is Shannon Boyd, who at the beginning of the season, even halfway through the season, if you'd have said he'll be in the starting front row for Australia at the end of this season, you'd have said, well, yeah, you know, he's a good player and he's he's big and all of those things. But, you know, he's he's really benefited from a, a, a very strong campaign from the Canberra Raiders to force his way into this side. He won't play a lot of minutes. Um, and I do agree with Matt Scott. They are up against the best New Zealand forward pack that I think we have ever seen. Now I know Simon Mannering is missing, and we've seen um, packs in the front in the in the past that have had Sonny Bill Williams in their side. But man for man, this is the best New Zealand front six, including their bench coming in as interchange, that I think that the Black and Whites have ever fielded. So it's a real test for the the Australians. Um, if you had a fit and in form Kieran um, Foran and Chuavasa Shek in the side then New Zealand would be favourites in my mind. Okay, well, here's their team, which was picked a few days uh, on Tuesday, actually. So you've got Jesse Bromwich, one front row spot. He's the best front rower in the world. Isaac Luke, Jared Warrior Hargreaves back after a three-year absence. Kevin Proctor, Torhu Harris, Jason Taumalolo, the Daly M winner. And then you look at the bench, Lewis Brown, Martin Tapao, Manu Ma'u, and Adam Blair. So that's the Kiwi forward pack. And... Uh, you look at their uh, back line, Jordan Kahu, Jason Nightingale, Jordan Rapana on the other wing, Carter and Kenny Dow in the centres, Lulawine Johnson. So they're pretty well rounded, aren't they? So you're right about two of us, Ashek and Foran. But if this game wasn't, well if, well, if it was anywhere other than on Australian soil, you could make an argument they should be favourites. Look, it's 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 a tight one. Now, you go back to that, that game I was talking about, the 16-0 game. Torhu Harris played in the centres. You know, they had late withdrawals there. You had Jared Beale playing. Cody Nikarima was at 5'8". Now, Thomas Nulawa is, is a steady player, and I think that you know he'll, he'll do a wonderful job. I'm not sure if that back line can take full advantage of what their forward pack can provide, but if they can, then um, you know they're, they're a huge chance in, in this game. I think they've won three of the last four matches against Australia. The New Zealanders do, do come off a fairly ordinary campaign in England last year where they were beaten. But again, very, very different looking team. They had Nikarima and Petahiku as their halves. This is an outstanding looking New Zealand side that are that are going to be a, you know, a real force during the Four Nations. Um, and of course, you know, kicking off hopefully with a, a good performance um, tomorrow night against an Australian side that have a couple of new faces. But you know, we're always going to put in a, 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 an excellent 17, aren't we? All right, yeah, and uh, that test is on Channel 9 tomorrow night. This is the rush hour. We'll get to what happened uh, at Bathurst shortly with the winners finally uh, officially given their crown. This is the rush hour, Triple M. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We did mention at the start of the show that we've been handed an incredible deal from Ovo Mobile. So if you switch to Ovo Data Sim, you're going to get 50 gig for $59.95 on 4G. And this is going to change how you enjoy listening to music, video, sport, all the stuff you do on your mobile device with nothing more than a new SIM. And get this just for you for listening right now. Ovo will give you the first month at half price. 
Let's do some math. Let's work that out. A whole month to enjoy 50 gig on 4G for just $29.95, then $59.95 after that. So there's no contract and OVO will instantly upgrade your plan to any better offers they release as part of their more for fans promise. And with 50 gig, you can afford to catch up with us more often. Open your browser now and get on at ilovedata.com.au. 50 gig for $59.95 on 4G and then half price for the first month. ilovedata.com.au. Now let's get back to the show. Yes, doing it live from ANZ Stadium where the Bulldogs are having their big board meeting. It looks like Des Hasler will stay in 2017 and this is all much ado about nothing. Uh, just let me say very quickly, uh, it was a beautiful service today for Rebecca Wilson uh, at St Andrews in Sydney. Uh, we had four wonderful speakers, uh, husband uh, John and brother Jim, but they bookended uh, Rebecca's magnificent two young sons, Tom and Will, who spoke magnificently and what fine young men they are and they did their, their mother proud and it was a, a wonderful service and um, our hearts and uh, our thoughts go with the family. Let's do this rush hour. Now on the Triple M Rush Hour, another great... You cannot be serious! Censored moment in sport. Ian Thorpe, listen to that roar. Gary Hall Jr., the... And Ian Thorpe, their matching strikes now. Thorpe on terms with Hall. They've got about 15 metres to swim. Thorpe is overhauling him. Hall and Thorpe. Thorpe's in front. Thorpe and Hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. New world record. The Australians have just broken the American stranglehold on this race. The roof is lifting off this stadium. Rush hour. The Triple M. Rush hour. This is the Rush Hour on Triple M when we do uh, sports updates. They are for the ABL Tile and Bathroom Centre. Speaking of... Not just tiles and bathrooms. ABL Tile and Bathroom Centre. Your one-stop renovation shop. abltilecentre.com.au Right now, this is the Triple M Rush Hour. Live sports update. Well, it took five days, but Will Davison and Jonathan Webb are finally the official Bathurst 1000 winners. And the Triple Eight team only has itself to blame for... Well, essentially stuffing up the appeal. Remember, Jamie Wincup was pinged 15 seconds for his part in the pivotal crash that really defined the race. His Triple Eight team appealed the severity of the charge, essentially admitting guilt, but wanted a lesser penalty. Well, once they were informed the best they could hope for, for with the downgrade was a 10-second penalty, which was still no good to them, Triple Eight then changed its stance and said, well, we're not guilty to causing any of the drama. Problem was the authorities saw the original admission of guilt as, uh, well, and admission, and upheld the original 15-second penalty. Now, Triple Eight has one last bullet in the chamber. They can try their original downgrade appeal, so go for the 10 seconds, not the 15, which would lift them to eight for the race if they were to be successful and worth 38 championship points, which could be quite uh, crucial. And in the last uh, few minutes, they have taken up that option, so the process Continues, But there we go. A debacle, but uh, well done to Will Davison and Jonathan Webb. So it'll be completely resolved by probably March next year, <laughs> from what you've just said. There. I've got a good suggestion. I actually watched part of that race, Dan. Get rid of the safety car. We don't need the safety car. Get it out of the way. If a car goes and smashes it, just put, get to the tow truck, pull it over the side, and you just let them keep racing. You don't stop the race and get everybody in that yeah, snake that... following the safety car. Get the safety car out of the way. Well, you want a dodge car situation. I... I want to see. 
I want to see the race continue, Dan. <laughs> I don't want to see things. it stop. And then I don't want to see. I don't want to see a bloke who's never been in front of the whole race win the race. Forget safety cap. Major well, overhaul. Cup would have won by a minute thirty. Would have been the most boring Bathurst ever. No, no, no. The safety car saved it. Take the safety car out of the way, mate. Just gets in the way. They should be able Isn't to overtake when, the safety car. Uh, I love it when two, two people have no idea about a sport can solve all its problems. <laughs> Andrew Gaze has had his first win as an NBL coach with the Sydney Kings pipping the Illawarra Hawks 88-84. But um, I think of more importance, this competition is very quietly enjoying a resurgence. Last year's opening round had the highest average attendance in the NBL for 37 years. And Damien Oliver has had his 20-meeting suspension for dangerous riding upheld. That wipes him out of the Cox Plate, but he can still ride in the Melbourne Cup. Is there ever a spring carnival where Damien Oliver has, doesn't have a drama leading into the big races? Yeah, but he's had a successful appeal, <laughs> so it's, it's all good. He'll be riding in the big one come Tuesday. Dangerous riding? What's the problem with that? He's back better against horses he's up against. This is the yeah, rush yeah. I've, got, I've got a bit of a beef with Damien. ABL time, but what, what were you on the horse who was riding when he backed the other thing? No, no, there was a golf tournament on and he knocked me off. <laughs> 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 he, he, won, he won a trip to Hamilton Island. It was mine, Dan. It was mine. Always about you. That was thanks to ABL Thailand Bathroom Centre. More from the Bulldogs, and uh, hopefully we'll have some development shortly. Triple M. The Triple M Rush Hour. Yes, indeed. As I'm sure you know by now, we're doing it live from Bulldogs headquarters as we wait for this uh, extraordinary board meeting to uh, end. Maybe it has ended and they're playing funny buggers and they want to miss the 6pm news cycle, but the longer this goes on, if it's still going on, geez, the more interesting this gets. Des left here over two hours ago now and uh, still we haven't had a resolution, at least a public resolution, as they appear to determine his future. Maybe not for next year, but for beyond. Let's do this. A Rush Hour News Update. Yes, back to the studio we go. Here's Jeff Tyler. Thanks, fellas. Yes, another big day in news. An emotional afternoon on the final day of the inquest into Philip Hughes's death. The family of Hughes stormed out of the coroner's court during Cricket Australia's final submissions. Their barrister maintains there was sledging directed at the 25-year-old and there was a plan to bowl bounces at him. In other news... A, the new a very... Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Jeff, but a very interesting piece was written today by Andrew Webster in the, uh, on the smh.com.au where he's obviously had contact with members of the family or people representing members of the family. They want to make it clear, Sturlow, that at no point did they ask for this inquest and at no point did they dob... Uh, because there is, I think, a feeling that they're sort of chasing answers that aren't there mm. and that they're driving all of this, but it was made very, very clear that evidence that in terms of the sledging and, and, and what, you know, one of the batsmen told the Jason Hughes, the brother, this was tendered at um, interviews in the preceding days mm. after Philip uh, was killed. So it's not as if now they're presenting this two years on. This is this is not the Hughes family that are doing all of this. No, look, and it's it's difficult to talk about this because you don't want to appear insensitive, but I, I, I couldn't really quite work out, again, what was trying to be achieved out of this. You know, sledging goes on all the time. Um, un unfortunately, a certain part of this um, yeah, ended up being demoralising, but... You know, players who might be susceptible to the to the short ball, they're going to cop that. Um, there are rules that govern how many bounces you can bowl. I, I'm, I'm assuming that New South Wales stayed within those confines. I always thought the whole thing was going to be about was how long it took yeah. to actually attend 
to Philip uh, and the fact that it was an hour before he was transported away. So th- the other, uh, you know, the personal internal stuff has come as a major surprise to me. Well, and, and, and thank you to everyone who sent us correspondence about why there's a coronial inquest. And yes, we understand when there's an untimely or an unusual death that they that uh, the coroner wants to look into it. And that's understood. But what we're all struggling to get our heads around is why three and a half days of character assassination and really we only got to the ambulance and we only got to the protocols of the ground really almost as an afterthought but anyway the inquiry's done and the findings will be in a couple of weeks jeff that's right and finally fellas a gorilla has escaped from its enclosure and gone bananas at the london <laughs> zoo while the primate was loose visitors were being warned not to look directly into the silverback's eyes while witnesses described the ordeal as a quite hairy one Oh, hang on. You've got two <laughs> puns in the one story. Still, I think if, if someone said to me, don't look at the silverback in the eyes, I think that's an instruction I can follow. You can't do that because you'd be running away from him, surely. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, what a weird thing to say to the people, the visitors of the zoo, is make sure you don't look into his eyes if you get the opportunity. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. Okay. And we'll be back with more after this. It is the Rush Hour here on Triple M. The Triple M Rush Hour. Uh, yes, doing it from Sunny ANZ Stadium where we're still waiting for the Bulldogs and uh, directors and uh, bosses to emerge. Uh, it has now been two hours 20 since Des Hasler left the building. So uh, the wait continues. Let's bring in Joel Kane from sportsbet.com.au. Hello, Joel. Hello, man. How you doing? Before we get to the odds of the Caulfield Cup and the Test Match, what do you... I mean, you played in, in teams and, you know, the dynamics of a club and a coach. What do you make of this situation with Des and the Bulldogs? Oh, look, to be honest with you, Dan, coaches like Des Hasler, in my opinion, are very, very hard to come by. And if you let one like him go... Uh, but my sort of reading between the lines is that he's signed for next year and it's all about this extension. So, for me, it's like... Just let him do next year, and I'd never write him off. And, and if you're asking me the question, does Des Hasler win another premiership or premiership plural? I say absolutely. He's a superstar. So, do you think it's a fair clause? So, forget next year. The the, the apparent clause is okay, uh, a, a two year extension, but you got to make the top four. Do you think that's an unfair clause yeah, to place I've... on on a coach? If I'm a coach, I'm not signing something that says that you know my team has to make top. You're signing coach to do their best. And you sign a coach because you think that he is the best person to get the job done. So you don't need those kind of things. You know, you, you know I, I agree with, with Joel. You know, Des Hassel's record speaks for itself. His CV speaks for itself. Now, premierships are incredibly difficult to win. Uh, in the last couple of years, he's had his side in the decider on two occasions. Uh, they, they haven't won it. But like I say, he's putting his team in a position to be successful. I think that there's some changes that need to be made, but I think they're on the field, not necessarily off. I just wonder, too, if this is all about not even sacking him, but just cutting him down to size. But anyway, uh, we wait and we, we wait for the response from the Bulldogs. OK, Joel, Caulfield Cup tomorrow. We're really getting into the nitty-gritty of the Spring Carnival. Yeah, look, Dan, I, I just absolutely love this time of year, as you probably know. And, and, and they're building this up as a bit of Jamaica, the hometown hero, the mayor... She's a local horse. It's hard to win on your home track at Caulfield versus the rest of the world. So, Jamaica, $3.70 out from $3.40. Barrier draw, 13 That's not a problem. Plenty of people win from Barrier 13. But the one they're backing is the import or the international Scottish number four. Scottish, who, by the way, is not Scottish. Scottish is Irish. But if you want to back Scottish, who is Irish, uh, $7.50 is the price there. <laughs> Can I back Irish that Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you certainly can, Stella. Is, is she under the odds, Jamaica? Jolbert, by the way. 
Is she under the odds? Uh, Jamaica, I don't know. Look, I've watched that Turnbull a number of times now, and Hartnell, they tell me, if it runs with a way to just wins. And I personally think Hartnell will give the Blue Army in Godolphin their first ever Melbourne Cup. But for me, it's going to be hard to beat her. Uh, $3.70, real love who's the other Aussie they're coming for. Uh, probably a bit superior in the weights as far as last time they met. But I don't know. What do you think, Pete? You, you don't mind the mind the mind uh, watching the races? Well, I think she's she's obviously well-weighted, but history is against her. There's the unknown quantity involved. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if something at odds might knock them all out. You know, I, I, I know it might sound ridiculous because it's probably a 50-to-1 chance. I'm going to have something a little bit each way on set square or something like that. I know it, it's drawn 20. Uh, you'll probably yeah. give me hundreds. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a knockout here. Yeah, well, we'll set square. Sp- $41 set square, and then in the same stable, by the way, as Jamaica. So, big chance. All right, quickly, because time is getting us. Test match tomorrow night. We heard Sterlow before gives the Kiwis a red-hot chance to cause what would be an upset. Yeah, absolutely. $1.45 now, Dan, for Australia. Um, they've been well-supported. But, look, I, I suppose the last two years, about a dollar every time on New Zealand when they're outsiders, you're probably doing well. I should mention the, the mega bit before I go as well, Dan. Jamaica, to win the Caulfield Cup, by a length or more, you're getting $5, max bet $50. Oh, and we all collected last week on the Winx uh, Just. Yes. But hey, yes. we got there, so that's all that matters at one by two lengths. So we all got that $3 collect. It was very, very nice. Sportsbet.com.au. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll have more after this and wrap things up here from the Bulldogs board meeting, Rush Hour, Triple M. Triple M, Rush Hour. Sports update. Yes, indeed. Tonight in the A-League, it's Adelaide United and Western Sydney Wanderers. Hawthorne captain Sam Mitchell is officially now a West Coast Eagle with trade uh, the trade period ending. And in news we haven't got to, but it's quite significant if you're a South fan, Adam Reynolds has re-signed until 2021. So there you go. All those months and years, oh, he's unhappy with the coach and he's looking to move on. Parramatta were in the mix at some point. Well, there you go. They're, they've come together and uh, he'll be a bunny until 2021. That's a sports update for ABL Thailand Bathroom Centre. We'll wrap it up right after this. It's the Rush Hour Friday edition, Triple M. The Triple M Rush Hour. Ah, uh, yes, just about done. It is the Friday rush hour. We still haven't had a resolution. I think they've played funny buggers with the Sterlow. They've, they've probably got their feet up inside ANZ Stadium. Probably having a cold one. And then once we get past the 6 o'clock news, they'll come out and confirm what I think we already know, and that is Des Hasler. His job is safe this year, and there might be some news on... Uh, the next two years. Um, We did get into contact with Steve Mortimer. He very politely declined a chat with us, but has confirmed that the reason he is no longer part of the Canterbury board or director is because he spoke to the media, and that was a breach of protocol, not simply the apparent ultimatum he gave where he said, well, if if, if, if you re-sign Des, I'm gone. That's not the reason he's gone. It's because he went to the paper, and that's what's uh, done him in. All right, well, you hang in there, Dan. I've got information coming out. They're just starting to, to warm the banks of lights up out there at ANZ Stadium, so you'll, you'll be sweet. It'll be, I'm leaving. It'll be I'm, Docklands no. all over again. Please, I'm going to leave. There's no reason for me to stay here. I'm going to listen no. to Ugly Phil. No, I'm going to something. Stick around. Listen to some tunes. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll pinch it off the TV news like we always do. All right, well done. All right, we're just about done. Give me a tip in the 30 seconds we've got left. Uh, you think the Kangaroos over the Kiwis? Yeah, I think the Kangaroos, um, I'm not quite sure what the Kiwis uh, start. They're getting, but uh, I think it'll be a very competitive test match. Uh, good playing service over there in Perth as well. And as I say, I think this forward pack the New Zealanders have, um, very, very formidable. Uh, I'll be keen to see what kind of contest we get, but I think it'll be closer than maybe what the bookmakers have us expecting to believe.
All right. Well, that's it for us. We will certainly have the uh, final developments tomorrow on the Dead Set Legends with Dobbo in Brisbane and Rabs Rich and myself in Sydney. This has been another week of the Rush Hour. We'll catch up with you on Monday. The Triple M Rush Hour.